0: Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Kat Gaines, and you can find me on Twitter at strawberryfield using the number one for the letter I. Okay. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining us again on Page It to the Limit. I am your host, Kat Gaines, and today we have a guest with us. We have John O'Donnell, who is another PagerDuty employee. He works in our London office and is team lead of our support team there. So John is here with us. We're going to chat a little bit today about support careers to a degree. We did an episode on that a few months ago with a group of folks. This is sort of a continuation of that series and a little bit of a different lens thinking about how support careers look. We're going to talk a little bit about scaling and international offices and all kinds of fun things. But just before we get into that, John, I'm going to go ahead and just give you a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Well, hello there, Kat. How's it going? Good. Nice to see you. Good, good. I've been practicing my breathy podcast voice for this. <laughs> so thank you very much for having me. As you said, yeah, my name's John. I'm the team lead for the EMEA support team. I have worked at PageDity for six years now. I've seen the region in EMEA grow hugely, being part of the support team and having that team grow itself. Um, you know, I've seen challenges and wins and everything in between. So yeah, it's been a been a great ride so far.
0: It has definitely been a ride and a lot of interesting things to see. I just think when you stay at a company that long that you get to a point where, you know, there are people who look at those of us who have been around for a long time. For anyone who's listening that doesn't know, I've been at PagerDuty almost 10 years. So we're in the the club of the ancients here at PD uh, in this conversation. And there's just so much you see that... You realize after a point where you're picking up and having experiences that are sometimes really unique based on the size of the company that you might not get to in your next company or you may not have had previously in your career and just things that you realize that other people can learn from too. And that's part of why we're talking to you today, of course. So just to kind of get us kicked off, we're going to level set a little bit. We want to talk about why we're talking about this why it's important and just, you know, kind of why we decided to have this conversation
1: today. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, to get us started with customer support and that kind of role, I always feel like a lot of people don't really clock how important that role is. In the organization, how connected you are to every single team, be it marketing, to product, to engineers, to sales reps, like you talk to everyone all day long. Customer facing roles that they touch every aspect of the organization. It might not you know, work in one for six months and I think it will be difficult for you to name a team that you haven't had some level of interaction with. Of Duty will be the third tech company I've worked for and I've always started in like level one base customer support roles. You'll never change your mind that this is the best place you can start in an organization to get a feel for what the company does what our customers want and what they need. And that's invaluable to be to f- be able to feed that back to the organization. So, you know, you, you get a whole 360, which is great.
0: You do. And I think you're kind of touching on something too, where I often hear people talk about doing support rotations in their companies, right? And having new hires, for example, come work with support for some amount of time. Uh, it varies wildly anywhere from, what I've seen to what I've heard anywhere from a couple of hours to I think like a few weeks is maybe the longest time period that I've heard, which is really intense for someone to not get as much into their actual new job and just go work in support for a while. But there's a reason that companies do that, right? The folks who do choose to do it. And it's exactly what you're saying that it's a great place to get close to understanding who your customers actually are, wherever you are in the business, what you're building for and develop a little empathy <laughs> too, I think for your peers who are customer facing, because if you're in product, for example, those people are eventually going to be knocking on your door, bugging you, asking you about this feature, that feature, that bug fix. And being able to kind of approach that from a <laughs> shared lens is helpful, I think.
1: Absolutely. And I think we we, we used to do that quite a bit, didn't we? we especially with the engineering team. They would come in and work with the support team, and yeah. I think for them, for especially especially for engineering, it's invaluable because they don't necessarily talk to customers and they don't necessarily. I know kind of silly, like but like use the product, you know. Yeah, they know what it looks like under the hood, but simple like little quirks and things that might not seem a big deal to them you realize that it actually you know it, it is a big deal to a lot of our customers and a lot of that feedback comes to the support team and it doesn't always translate over very well to engineering or some other kind of teams like product or whatever so to, to really get to know the customer it's it's best to sit in front of them and get a gauge for the day to day of what they use
0: yeah you're right. It's different to be sitting there looking at the UI, maybe very briefly, to just verify that the change you made works and functions, versus actually spending time in it as a user and trying to navigate around, functioning with that particular piece every single day.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, no. So it's 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 definitely valuable. And as a person that's on the ground, you you see all that. So I think that it's the best way to get to know the organization by a mile. I, I can't think of any other role that gives you that insight.
0: I agree. And I think, you know, maybe we're both biased being people with support backgrounds or currently in support, but I also feel like that bias can be validated a little bit because I feel that I've heard from everyone who I've ever known who shadowed a support team, whether at PagerDuty or, or elsewhere, that they really got a lot of value from it. And, I saw people just put together even amazing presentations of their learnings that they were taking back to their manager that were things that I hadn't necessarily observed even in the moment when they were doing that. And that's just really cool to see that kind of evolution of understanding your customer in a different way.
1: Absolutely. It's bedrock foundation of any tech company. So that's, that's, that's why I love it.
0: Yeah. Let's get a little bit into uh, one of the topics I mentioned that we were going to talk about at the beginning. So uh, we mentioned that we were going to talk a little bit about just kind of careers and uh, scaling as well when you're with an organization at kind of interesting levels of development and growing larger. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about just kind of how you came to PagerDuty and... One thing that they won't know is that you were sort of one of our day zero employees in the London office overall, not just in support. And let's just talk about that experience a little bit and what that looked like for you.
1: Yeah, well, currently I hold the crown for the longest serving EMEA team member, the last original hire, which take that for what you will.
0: I said we're the ancients of PagerDuty. You are the ancient.
1: Well, yeah, so I came to PagerDuty uh, on recommendation from a friend. I had heard this friend talk about PagerDuty and they always sung the praises of it and said it was amazing. And once they uh, announced that they were going to open an office in London, I basically got a job application shoved at me and demanded that I apply so we can slack all day. So that, that was uh, ba- that's basically how I ended up here. And when I joined, I think there was five of us in the team. And there was me and another support. There was those two of us in support. And there was an eight-hour time difference between me and you, my then manager, and the rest of the team. So that presented an enormous learning challenge to start with. I think you you have to be comfortable like six months in a row to, to actually be able to be a bit autonomous and, and get around it. So that in itself was quite crazy because you you're, you know, your resources are so limited. There was an eight hour time difference between me and my Manager and the rest of the support team because they were all based in San Francisco at the time, so it was PagerDuty's first kind of real attempt at, at, at going abroad and opening an yeah. office. Um, and I think the challenge for any company when they're trying to do that uh, for the first time, you know, there's mis- there's definitely mistakes that were made, and there was definitely challenges in things like culture and training, and and there was gaps in documentation and things like that. And I think my advice would be for scaling a team abroad. At any point, I think you need to have a lot of planning. I think you need to go in blind and pretend that I'm a new hire. How do I train? How do I get educated? How do I talk to our customers? And can I do all that by myself, basically? So I think a lot of preparation is needed. And I think maybe that we had some gaps then. But um, I think it was a real learning curve for all of us, but also great opportunity for me to be able to look back on and bring that forward into how I would manage the situation differently or how I would help those new team members basically be able to take care of themselves. And so I think knowing all that and having been a, been in that position myself, if I was to do that tomorrow, I think I would start by going in blind and thinking, can a future employee train and skill And, you know, be able to kind of like self-learn with all the documentation and do we have the resources and are they going to feel alone? And if they do, how do we kind of prevent that from happening? How do we make this person feel as supported as possible when they might not be in the correct time zone or whatever from where their main team is and their manager is and, and all those kind of things? Yeah. So I think that's where I would start Scaling a team isn't easy. Scaling a team for the first time definitely isn't easy. So I think you just got to make sure that you have as many fail-safe plans as possible.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that the other piece I would probably add on to that is knowing that any plans you think you've made, it's probably not enough. Like there's going to be somewhere where you're going to fail and you're not going to have thought of something. And there are two aspects of that. Continue trying to plan for failure. It's one of my favorite things to tell people to do, just in support, in incident management, in you know anything that I think about on a daily basis. But uh, continue trying to plan for failure. And then also don't be too hard on yourself when there's something comes up that you didn't plan for. It happens. That is life. And it's very much life in scaling to different offices and trying to understand how to <laughs> figure that out, right?
1: Yeah, we're not clairvoyant over here. So, you know, you, know, no. you can't do anything right. Just have the best, the strongest onboarding program you can possibly create. Keep asking for feedback from your team. When my team um started onboarding in Lisbon, I was mm-hmm. very lucky that I had the same, we're in the same time zone. My, I did like learn myself that there was certain team members who learned differently. And there was a couple right. of them who, who weren't the people who can read a documentation once and get it and then there's other people who needed more kind of handholding and calls and shadowing training, like live and all those kind of things. So I think you gotta also know your audience too and be able to adapt because yeah. one size does not fit all. And I think companies can also make mistakes when they try that approach too. So basically, what I'm saying yeah. is, that there's no way to actually get this right.
0: <laughs> there's no way to be perfect. Sorry.
1: <laughs> you've got to do as much planning as possible and keep asking for feedback that's yeah. all I ever did every single day kept asking for feedback like when i refer to my my, my first few months at page of duty i remember very distinctly having a call with you when you were my manager and just having an absolute mental breakdown being like i can't do this. <laughs> this isn't working i'm lost and you were basically just like relax it's fine you know let's take this one step at a time and that's the approach I take now because I was too hard on myself, just, you know, just as an employee. And I can't yeah. imagine the manager, how that must have felt for you being given this new challenge as, you know, scaling this team mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, so that must have felt very stressful <laughs> for you. And then <laughs> to hear your employee on the cliff edge, you know, wondering what's going on. That <laughs> I take that learning forward too, as well, and put that into practice when I work with my own team.
0: Yeah, I think that's the type of thing that you know I joked a moment ago about how you can't ever be perfect. And I'm a perfectionist. I I freely admit it even though it's a horrifying thing to say because you can't be perfect in anything you do, but I'm always in everything I do just kind of striving for perfection. And so you're talking about that moment and yeah, it was hard for me as a leader to be to wonder, okay, what am I doing wrong here and to eventually step back and realize You're not screwing it up. You are not just the worst at this that ever anyone has ever been. There are a lot of learning curves here to just understand how you scale, how you work with different offices, how you, like you were saying, make sure people have the resources they need. And it actually requires that input from the people on the other side. And so you can prepare and prepare. But until you actually have the input, you don't know what you're missing. And so that's something to embrace instead and say, okay, awesome. Now we know what we're missing and now we can work toward it which is
1: fantastic. Yeah. You plan as much as you can, build a safe space so your employees feel, you know, heard. And from then on, like, you know, there's not much you can do to fail there because you're just open. And I think that's the best best way to scale a team is to try.
0: I just want to clap a little bit extra for that building a safe space. I think that that's important when you're in leadership no matter what, no matter who you are, who you are, where your team is, what's going on, but especially when you have people in a different country, in a different time zone, with cultural differences, you have to really be open <laughs> to building that space and being more open to listening and leading by listening rather than any other style you may have learned. And I think you were touching on this a moment ago too, just kind of understanding how to adapt and figure out how people work. I actually saw somebody the other day, and it's in one of the support community slacks that I'm part of. It's either support driven or elevate CX. I can't remember which one this question came up in, but I saw someone asking a question about they're adding team members in London. And the first thing they asked about was what cultural differences are there that I have to be aware of in terms of how people work? And what am I going to run into? And I saw that and I thought, that's really smart that you're thinking about that right now. You're not waiting until it comes up with opening an international office that you know that that's something you have to think (laughs) about a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a question for you. What, What cultural differences did you see? When you started with your London team?
0: I think it can be a little less pronounced between primarily English speaking countries. But I think there can be, for example, a little bit of a different style of working between, for example, London and San Francisco. There are just different approaches to the workday and how things happen. And I don't know that I can articulate it well, but there is a marked difference that I notice. I think it's those types of things and just really kind of understanding how. What timeline do people function on? How? What? What is the level of formality in this working culture versus a different one? I think the San Francisco-based tech scene we tend to be very casual, and everyone thinks they just want to be, you know, the coolest kid in school. Is kind of the approach. Uh, I do. I sometimes feel like it's a it's a race to be the funniest or coolest person around. Where you know we are just doing business at the end of the day, and we can have fun. And that's an awesome part of good company cultures. But sometimes people lose sight of what they're actually supposed to be doing a little bit too. I think I've always felt a little bit more like just getting down to business from the London team while still also knowing how to have a lot of healthy fun. Yeah, I don't know that there are huge ones between English speaking countries. But I think it's a broader awareness for folks to have, right? When we were doing this, when you joined, we were opening London and Sydney offices at roughly the same time. And I think that as a leader, that was also a learning curve for me of understanding, okay, there are these two new places coming into my life very quickly and suddenly. And what is that going to look like from a perspective of not just how people work, but also how people get what they need, like you were talking about previously. And there are all kinds of solutions you can have to that. I'm not going to recommend one of the solutions I had, which was have a crazy work schedule. There were days where I was on with the London team up super early and days where I was on with Sydney and staying in the office kind of late. And I think that that is one tactic you can take for a while. But there's also a need for balance that you need to figure out and find out how to pursue, even if you're doing something like that all at once.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Because you can't be halfway there for everybody. Yeah. got will try to, like you said, to balance it. Cause if yeah. you're halfway for everybody, you're, you're, you're not a whole person to anyone. So it's, it's not, you might as well just not be there at all.
0: You got to find a way to be a whole person. And I think that's the thing I see really great leaders to a lot is stretch themselves too thin and, Just think that, okay, well, I'm giving all of myself to everyone all the time. You're not. You're only giving a portion of yourself to these people because you haven't learned that balance. And you have to, as hokey as it might sound, you have to step back and take care of you for a minute as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. No, I definitely agree there.
0: Speaking of leadership, so, you know, we've been talking about how you started as an individual contributor on the team and you are now a team leader in a leadership role. Can we talk about career paths a little bit and just kind of... You can talk about your own journey and just kind of what you explored or what we've seen other folks do. Any direction you want to go with this is fine.
1: I would say one of the mistakes I made, but I probably wouldn't change it, is there was nothing that I didn't consider. And this goes back to what I said about being in support and being able to touch every organization, you know, after a short amount of time. Like I knew somebody in every department. And I talked to everybody from marketing to events, to communications, to customer success, going up a ladder in terms of um, more technical roles within PagerDuty as well. So, you know, nothing I didn't touch, nobody didn't speak to. Um, so how I ended up kind of taking on the leadership role was that I actually really like customer facing roles. I like working with people mentoring and seeing people's career grow and you know taking care of them and making sure that everyone has what they need and being a little bit higher up the ladder so you can influence how things work and help yeah. the support team that you want to see because I love the support team and I want it to be as best as it can be and you can do that as an individual contributor by just doing your best and leading by example but when you get a little bit higher up the ladder in terms of leadership roles. You have more influence, and that's why I wanted to climb up the ladder and keep it amazing, but make it even better where I can see improvements. That's basically how I, after throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and none of it sticking, basically that's how I ended up kind of um you know going for the leadership role that was coming up on the support team and really kind of putting myself behind it, advocating for myself, and this is my role. This is what I'm going to be here for because this is what I've worked for, and I'm going to be really good at it. So yeah. <laughs> terms of wider getting into the tech space, um, it was kind of by accident. Before I moved to London, I lived in Canada. I spent about two years working there. And the f- first job that I got was at this teeny, tiny, scrappy, like bizarre little tech company. <laughs> <laughs> love the energy. I love the culture. You know, I liked that the, the product they had, it was um improving people's lives. And I just I enjoyed it. I thought it was great and I wanted to continue that when I moved on. Uh, so yeah, moved to London, joined another tech startup, um, same kind of thing, really enjoyed it. And then I ended up at Pages of Duty.
0: Honestly, hats off to the teeny tiny bizarre startups. <laughs> I feel like that's, myself included, that's how so many of us have gotten into tech, of just okay, well, I needed a job and I applied to this place and I had no idea how I got here or what I was doing. It's not always the, I think people envision a very smooth career path of, I was planning for this and I studied all the right things in school to ensure that I would work in tech. And it's like, yeah, that that flow happens, but also the accidents happen potentially more. And... They make for interesting teams, too, where the background you have on the team just becomes this really diverse array of people with experiences that all contribute in some way to what you're doing, even if it didn't seem related at all to begin with.
1: And you learn so much that way. Like when you yeah. work in, you know, different companies that a lot of the time stuff is on fire, you learn how to manage through that chaos. You adapt you and, you, and yeah. you build so many skills from just being able to articulate yourself correctly and quickly and get the problem solved through trying to figure out, is there a better way to do this? Or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe enjoying the chaos, but there's a lot of that. And that's what I loved about it. I never saw that chaos at Page Duty, thankfully, but I learned a lot from the companies where I did. And I took that with me. And I think that's been a massive help to how I kind of approach things. And
0: yeah, Absolutely. Uh, You said something a minute ago that I wrote down because I wanted to touch on it around why you ended up in this role. And one of the reasons being that you like people, you like customers, that you're good at talking to people and helping people. And there's something that, again, it's something that sounds cliche sometimes, but it always kind of clicks for me a little bit when people talk about leadership. When you're a leader, your people are your customers too. And so I think that's another thing for people to consider when they're thinking about skill sets and their career paths and what you're doing. If that's something you truly enjoy, you need to understand that that's still an aspect of moving into leadership. I think it can sometimes be common not terribly common, but sometimes you'll see folks say, okay, well, if I move into leadership, I'll be a little bit more removed from doing the actual work, or I won't have to talk to customers so much. No, no, you have to talk to customers still. It's part of the job. (laughs) Uh, And you also have your new set of customers, which are your team that are relying on you for everything day to day. And so it's both a really cool way to continue using that skill and also uh, a reminder that you don't Get to stop using that skill just because you're not necessarily maybe in the queue every minute of every day.
1: I think that's a myth. A lot of
0: people yeah.
1: have about going into leadership that you're that you're kind of cushioned from chaos, or you're you know you're you're hidden away from it. You absolutely not because your customers, your your team, come to you and there's a problem. Like when there's a big problem, and I'm always happy to take an escalation from a cranky customer. Because a lot Mm -hmm. of the time all they want to do is just hear another voice. (laughs) Like you can tell like uh, so many times where I've stepped in and I've just basically repeated what somebody else has said in a different kind of word salad. And they're like, okay, cool, thanks.
0: They hear it from a voice of authority, and now they're yeah. set. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or just yeah, literally somebody else. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's yeah, you're you're, you're never hidden away, and you, you, if anything, you're more exposed and responsible. You're kind of the last boss that the customer needs to fight. You know, you're you're yeah. like
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you get the, the the tougher ones. You need a lot of skill to do that. Sometimes you know you need to be able to like hear the customer and let them talk and. And then also check in on, on your team as well, make sure they're not, that they're doing okay and that they're not overworked or stressed or burnt out or, you know, yeah. got thinking of leaving. So, yeah, no, you're, you're, a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of skills you need to use every day, a lot of soft skills. So, I don't think that stopped. That doesn't stop with with leadership at all.
0: Literally never. It's never something you can stop practicing, I think. And I, I've gotten to this point where I just bristle at people. Always calling it soft skills. I know it's just our terminology for it. And so it, you know, we all use it, it's fine. But what that implies about those skills being soft or maybe easy to pick up. They're not. They're hard skills, if anything.
1: Yeah, we've all had a manager that clearly doesn't want to be a manager or yeah. doesn't like people. And it's like, well, what yeah. more? why did you want to do this? You know, you, you have to let customers moan and you have to let your team moan. Cause people are always going to have, you know, something and, you, gotta. Take, you, know, you know, make sure, you know, they have their own lives too. And you have to be a sounding board. So yeah, soft skills, but like, yeah, you, you they're, they're not, they're not easily obtained. And some people yeah. just don't.
0: <laughs> you have to have the space for that. And I think something else you mentioned earlier too, we were talking a little bit about kind of self care as a manager and, that's something that can play into having those skills and to having empathy for other people is making sure that you are taking time to step away and take care of yourself and get what you need before you're trying to provide other people with what they need. So I guess I have a question around that, which is how do you find that as a leader? Is there a support network you found, mentors, coaches? Are there things you do to just make sure that you're showing up completely as much as you can for your team while still taking care of yourself? What does that look like for you?
1: Well, you know, I'll step back a second and just like, I've obviously had moments where I have not been at my best and I've maybe snapped or been short with somebody because, you know, I either have 10,000 things in my mind that this other thing is not going to come up the top of the list. So I'm kind of like dismissive or brush it off or whatever. And I'm not at my best then. And I really hate when I do that, but I find solace in colleagues that are not in support. So I can soundboard them because if it's somebody within the support team, well, first of all, you shouldn't really be kind of having a bitch or moan with, you know, people in the support team about the support team. I don't think that's very healthy. So I think that certain colleagues I have within within PagerDuty and I just run them through a scenario and I'm like, this is what's happening. This is really grinding my gears for lack of a better term. How do I get around this? And they've always had. I've always had such amazing colleagues that will always give me a fresh perspective, and be like, "Well, have you thought about this? Or mm, maybe think about that? Or you know, look at it this way. Or maybe say this to them. Even if you don't find a solution, you let off a bit of steam. You." get that bit of self-care where, you know, you're reminded that it's not the end of the world and you can get around this problem. And a lot of the time, someone else will have a good idea for you. So, and I I understand the organization too. It's not much use me telling my friends at home about some big problem having at work because they won't get the full context or maybe know that person or know that customer or whatever. But people in the organization will. And they'll be able to kind of, talk you through it. So that's who I go to. That's who I've always gone to. And it's it's always worked out really well for me. I've always been very lucky.
0: I agree. I think just having someone, whoever it is, and if it's someone in your organization that you can trust, that's great. If there's someone who doesn't have that, I think the closest next step you can get are peers who have similar roles to you at other companies, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mentioned a couple of support communities that I'm part of earlier. And we'll put these in the resources sections for folks because whenever I do talk about them, I like to tell people to go join them and hang out with them because it's a bunch of really cool people. But the first one is the Elevate CX Slack community and conferences, which I really love being part of. Uh, It's just a group of people who completely get customer experience and also get each other and get the human aspect of it which is just an amazing resource to have to kind of bounce things off of people. And then the other one is support driven, which is similar. And those are places where I see people just kind of go ask folks for opinions on things or say, I'm running up against this particular issue. They can leave out specifics if there are things they can't talk about outside of the org, of course, but uh, there are always, always, always people jumping in and sharing their similar experiences and helping folks navigate. And it's just good to have whatever that looks like for you, it's good to have someone you can bounce those things off of and just know that you're not alone. Because leadership especially can be really lonely sometimes. And uh, you might feel like you're trying to do something for the first time and forget that, yeah, other people have done this too. And there are other people that I can kind of talk to about how to do this right.
1: Yeah, like I said, leadership definitely, You know, I think a lot of the time you're expected to shut up and put up and get on with it. And sometimes But other times you need to go to your Slack community or talk to your work wife or husband and pull them out, you know, aside for a coffee and talk them through something. And they're the resources, you know, that will always, always keep you going, keep you motivated and get you through difficult patches.
0: Yeah. You got to have those people. Um, And again, it goes back to the self-care thing. You have to have your people and you have to take time to lean on your people and, Take your time out to recover from whatever else is going on too. Put on your own oxygen mask first, as they say. Oh,
1: yeah. Be kind to yourself. Good Lord.
0: (laughs) For heaven's sake. Uh (laughs) Okay, so we're getting near the end of our time. But there are two things we always ask every guest on this show. And the very first one is tell me something you wish you would have just known sooner throughout the last few years and through the things you've done in your career the last few years. Is there anything that if you'd known sooner, you would have been like, okay, cool. That's how I'll handle
1: that. I think I've already kind of said this probably a few times at this stage, but take a breath all the way down. You're making (laughs) hard on yourself for no good reason. Ask questions first and yell later. And don't do the reverse because I was doing the reverse where I was just la, you know, like my head was on fire, but Take a breath. The world's not going to burn. No one's going to die. You're not going to be canned tomorrow because you can't figure out how to answer the support ticket. It's going to be okay. So just relax.
0: Yep. Calm down. Do whatever you have to do. I fully agree with that. I, it sounds so cliche, but I was talking to someone about this the other day that I am getting myself back to a practice I got out of, which was just taking a few minutes to meditate every single day. And it sounds cliche. I guess sometimes it's the thing for me that works, but it's when you can see the difference in when you're focusing on your own calm and what your own just energy looks like throughout the day when you're letting yourself take that time, take that breath like you're saying. It changes your life. It changes how you go about each day. And so what you're saying, I think it's just really worth it to take that time and to be able to not just... Not just take that moment and make it easier, but you'll set the tone for your day a little bit differently if you're pausing to take that breath that you're saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Our other question that we ask everybody is, is there anything on the topic that you're glad we didn't ask you
1: about? Probably um, have I been able to put the answer to the first question into practice? <laughs> <I'm glad>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't ask you about that. You know, it's fine. We don't have to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I love all the topics we talked about. I don't, I don't think there's anything I would kind of shy away from the topic, the topic of support because it's all encompassing and it's gritty sometimes. But you know, um, all in all, great, loved it, loving it yeah. still, <laughs>
0: <laughs> continuing to love it. Uh good. I think that I same. I hope that this is something that folks will get something out of and will be useful. And uh, I'll just shout out to anyone listening uh, that. I am always open to connect with folks to talk about any of these types of topics. I love chatting about them. If there's someone who wants to come on the podcast and talk about these things more, I never get tired of talking about it as well. So please, please contact us. But otherwise, John, thanks so much for joining us. It's just been lovely chatting.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was great.
0: All right, and thanks to our listeners for joining us. Again, I'm CAD Games, and we're hoping that you have an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Page It to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making the podcast possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittothelimit.com, and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number 2. Thank you so much for joining us, and remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.